Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that takes you wherever the Texans happen to be. This week, that would be the NFL Scouting Combine in Indy. And as we said yesterday, not the entire team, of course, but General Manager Nick Casario, Head Coach Lovey Smith. The staff is here evaluating the crop of NFL players ready to be plucked in 2022. And everything's going on in the bowl at Lucas Oil Stadium, which is attached to the convention center where we are coming to you from right now for this program. A fun one for you tonight. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears. He was with Lovey Smith for nine years. What does he have to say about your head coach now? And, of course, the Texans played the Bears this year, so that's interesting. And Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, will talk to him about this event. Indy, the AFC South, it's all happening. But let's start with the general, John McClain, because it's Thursday and that's what we do. Now, John isn't here, but he's with us via Zoom. So, General, your thoughts on what is going on here in Indy, and it's great to catch up with you. It's strange not being up there. Last year there was no combine because of COVID-19, and I had been there every year since 1987 when it moved to Indianapolis. And that year there was like five or six writers hanging out in the hotel lobby grabbing players as they came out because the NFL had no interest in helping us at all. And it wasn't until Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner, took the combine under his umbrella and sent one of his media relations people, Reggie Roberts, that encouraged a lot of media to start showing up. And then, of course, the NFL Network took it to a new level. You know, there was never a radio row till recent years. And now the combine is humongous. I wish I were there, but Brooks Cabina is there for the Chronicle, and he's done a tremendous job. John, there's been a lot of talk this week amongst us, the media, about the combine potentially moving from Indianapolis. I ask this with Mark all the time, gut reaction. What's the general's gut reaction to it moving from Indianapolis in the future, potentially? It's gone because the NFL can make money on it. Every team in the league wants it in Indianapolis. Every coach, general manager, team doctor, because as you guys know, you can walk everywhere. They have everything they need right downtown Indianapolis, a great city with a lot of experience of hosting big events. Now, if they go to Frisco, where the Cowboys facility is, you guys know from being there during Hurricane Harvey, they've got an Omni Hotel, they got a hospital, they got an indoor facility, three outdoor fields. So they have a great setup. But when it comes to people being able to walk everywhere, uh, no. And then if they go to SoFi Stadium, which they will, because they'll make money, that's going to be even less convenient, but it's inevitable. John, the standard question is, what is your team going to do with your pick? Well, as far as the Texans go, obviously they feel comfortable enough about Davis Mills to mention him as a starter. What do you say? What do you answer when people ask you about what they're going to do with the number three pick? Barring injury, he will be the starter. And a lot of people around the country seem uh, surprised about that. It's amazing to me, the people that are clueless that think they still need to draft a quarterback, which is preposterous based on Mills being better down the stretch than any quarterback, including Matt Jones and being second overall to Matt Jones, a first round pick and a third round pick. So they're so much better off right now than they were this time last year. But I think if they don't, fix the running game. It is going to be 
uh, derelict of duties. They have to fix it. It depends on what they do with Laramie Tunsil, if George Warop, the new offensive line coach, and Pep Hamilton and Lovey Smith want Tunsil back at left tackle, hopefully they will wise up and put Titus Howard back at right tackle. And then uh, they could take, if Aquanu was there, play him at guard. He is the best run blocking prospect. Try to get a running back in the second round. I'm still doing stories every day. And my story that I'm doing for Saturday is going to be running backs who could be available when they pick in the second round and what they could do as rookies. And, uh, and then, of course, they could go pass rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau. But to me, if you're going to use a third pick on a player, there can be no questions about his effort, no questions whatsoever. So they would have to have him rated really high if they wanted a defensive back. You know, John's favorite player, Keith Hamilton, I'm sorry, John's favorite player, Kyle Hamilton, is the best defensive back prospect, even better than Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley at uh, cornerback. So really the Texans couldn't go wrong. And if they were to re-sign Justin Reed, I think that would take them out of the running for Hamilton. Well, John, that leads me right to my question. Lovey Smith was at the podium and he was asked uh, directly a couple of days ago about Justin Reed and saying, hey, we wouldn't mind having Justin Reed. I'm paraphrasing. We wouldn't mind having Justin Reed back for 2022 and beyond. I went into the end of the season thinking that was the last year to see Justin Reed. But after hearing what Lovey had to say, I'm thinking differently. What do you think about Justin Reed potentially coming back for 2022? Got to pay him. Doesn't matter if he wants to come back. Doesn't matter if they want him back. He's not going to give him a discount. This is his second contract, the chance he's got to make big money. I don't see them paying big money for any free agents, considering this is year two of the rebuild. I think that would be next year when they think they're closer to being to, uh, to either winning the division or possibly competing for a wild card berth. But maybe, you know, you got to sign these guys before they hit the open market. And that's going to happen on March 16th. Every once in a while, you'll see a guy go out and test the market and re-sign with a team. But most of the time, if you don't get it done, they're gone. I don't know what kind of market there would be for Justin Reed, but I know he spoke very, very highly of Lovey Smith, as all players do. So he wants to come back, but you got to pay him. John, the Colts are a hot story here because we're in their city and they're part of this quarterback carousel potential. They're one of the big cogs here as far as Wentz goes and what they can get for him, what it's going to take to get somebody else. What do you think ultimately transpires? How can it work out for them for this upcoming season? If you look at Wentz's stats, and they weren't bad at all, but he spit the bet in that last game against the Jaguars. They all did. Cost them the playoffs. But it's like they're taking it out on him. I don't have a problem with that. They see him in ways we don't. But he's got to be really bad behind the scenes. I remember a story done in Philadelphia a couple of years ago. A writer did an off-the-record anonymous quote story with players just trashing Carson Wentz, the kind of player he was, the way he treated people. You wonder, how could this guy be a quarterback? And maybe some of it, too, has to do with him being unvaccinated. That's not going to matter this season because they've lifted the protocols and, but to get them to back away from him when Frank Reich wanted him so much after he helped him win a Super Bowl ring in Philadelphia, 
something. The, the next team interested in him has got to have a sign that says, buyer, beware. How do you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars as they head into this offseason what potentially they could do or should do at number one? John, I think, you know, they've got Josh Allen, not the quarterback, the pass rusher, rushing off the edge on one side, and they should go with Aiden Hutchinson. Now, if you're a Texans fan, you better hope they don't do that because the idea of those two guys putting pressure on the Texans' tackles and getting after Davis Mills is kind of painful to think about. So they should hope that they take uh, Ikiquanu or Evan Neal with the first overall pick. That's rare. Eric Fisher, the last offensive lineman taken first overall. You know, he's still in the league. He's had knee injuries, but he's never been worth the first overall pick. Orlando Pace was. In 1996, he's in the Hall of Fame. But to me, I would go with Aiden Hutchinson, who is the highest-rated player on just about everybody's draft board, and and try to have that fierce pass rush and then worry about the linemen later. It's not like they're destitute in linemen. They've still got Cam Robinson and, and is it Juwan Taylor plays the other side? He's another high pick. They've spent money in free agency and utilized high draft choices for their offensive line. But to me, if I were them, I would go with Hutchinson. But they are the Jaguars, so there's a good chance they're going to mess it up. John, we're only about 10 days out of this whole thing being declared a bubble for the players. You had the threatened boycott and all of that. But the league announced today, along with the NFLPA, that COVID protocols have been lifted for the entire league the season forever, we're hoping. Your thoughts? Well, the first thing I thought of, we haven't been in a dressing room for the last two years. You know, the, you know, the uh, players like, because most of them don't get interviewed. And uh, I don't like it, but it wouldn't surprise me if the league didn't find a way to keep it that way. Playoffs turned out to be some of the best playoff games in history. COVID-19 was not an issue. It was during the season, last two seasons. But I don't think that uh, the NFL would uh, lift those protocols if they didn't have a lot of evidence that it was the right thing to do. John, Johnny has a bet he wants you to make for him in Las Vegas, and he wants you to make the decision, too. You have three options. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers stay in their respective places in Seattle and Green Bay. One leaves, one goes, or both go. Which is it going to be? I've not deviated in two years. Russell Wilson has said so many times he'll be back. Some people in the media try to make mountains out of molehills. He will be back. He's under contract. He said he wants to win multiple Super Bowls. Why in the world would they trade him? He's still one of the top quarterbacks. He got hurt last year and came back and played. If he hadn't been hurt, they probably would have been in the playoffs. And I've said for two years, Aaron Rodgers is all about the money. And I think he'll get a contract extension. They've done everything he could possibly want except find him a new celebrity girlfriend, and that might be next. But I do not expect him to leave Green Bay. Why in the world would he want to be traded to Denver and have to go against Mahomes and Herbert and, to a certain extent, Carr and play in the toughest division and stay instead of staying in one of the worst that he can dominate again? General, what do you have going on in the Houston Chronicle for us? Well, uh, Bruce Cabina is up there every day. He's writing Texans-related stories that have been tremendous. They're in the Chronicle and on Texas Sports Nation. I've written off of Lovey Smith and Nick Casario's news conferences. I've got one tomorrow that former University of Houston quarterback 
Derek King following in the footsteps of former University of Houston quarterback Greg Ward will have to play receiver in the NFL. And I'm doing one on the running backs for Saturday, Jalen Petrie from Baylor and Stafford for Sunday. Guys, thank you very much for having me and have fun uh, the rest of the week in Indy. Okay, thank you. Fun. Did anyone say fun? This is all about work. Yes, and occasionally having a meal. But coming up, Jeff Jodiak, voice of the Chicago Bears. Some thoughts about Lovey Smith, who was there for nine years as their head coach. And also, the Texans play in the Windy City this year. Just visited two years ago, but this is the way it goes with that 17-game schedule and the NFC getting the extra home game. And I'm not going to explain the whole formula to you. Just trust me, the Texans will be at Chicago at some time this year. That's next here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in Indianapolis where the Texans brass is here checking out this crop of college players with workouts beginning today. In fact, we speak with Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears. He was with Lovey Smith for nine years and bench pressing going on as we're talking. All the activity happening here at the Scouting Combine in Indian. Jeff is one of my favorite people in the world who is in this business. Maybe in general anyway. I shouldn't sell him short. Great, great. And you need more friends if I'm one of the greatest in the world. <laughs> right, John? Come That's on right. well, I I'm say- a nice guy, but... Jeff, I sit next to him, so I mean, I just took that as I just took that as a slap in the face. Right, right. What about your running buddy here? Are you kidding me? One of the. Yes. I didn't. Yeah, say yeah, the I only. know, I know, I know. Okay. Well, I feel the same way about you guys, so it's always good to run into you guys well, because we just flat out love ball, we do. don't we? We do. We love being here. We love seeing it. And uh, I came up with the Vandermeer 100 to rival the Harris 100, as I will evaluate the press conferences during the combine. So there it is, uh, Jeff. How far is Chicago? I mean, how? Three hours. It's just three door hours. Door to door from my house in the western suburbs, three hours and one minute. Wow. Not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, you, you know, there's no flights. We're not driving. We're, we're driving, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I do love Indy. I'll be sad because it seems pretty much a slam dunk they'll move the combine, right? And I'll be moving it around the country. But it's just it's a absolutely perfect setup. I've been coming here for more than 25 years. Mm. It's grown beyond my wildest expectations. Not always for the better for the <laughs> media and guys yeah. like us, but it's it's become an event as everything does in the NFL. And uh, I, I get what they want to do, but I wish they'd keep it here. Jeff, Chicago and Indianapolis connected in that Chicago's new head coach. Came from Indianapolis. Yep. Matt Eberflus, what was your first reaction to Matt getting to meet him? What are your thoughts about him being the leader of the Bears? Well, I, I'm going to throw Ryan Poles in there too yeah. because the, they have the same mindset without really knowing each other very well, and that is I, I, I always have taken the approach that your team should reflect in some way the history of the franchise and the city in which you play in. we got a rough-and-tumble town, blue-collar. They love physical football. They love defense. And Matt Eberflus embodies all that. And going back to his high school days, doing research, talking to his high school coaches or what he was like, um, he's a very nice man, but... I know exactly what he wants these guys to do, and it's going to be challenging to ramp up to absolutely play every snap like it's your last one and play with you know, reckless abandon and get, get the job done. He'll be expecting that from these guys, and I like that mindset. I, I, I'm, I'm short. I'm 5'7 and a half on a good day, so I can't sit here and pound my chest. I'm some tough guy, but I want to, I want to watch yeah. tough guys. I want to watch physicality. I want to watch going after the ball, playing with your hair on fire, uh, being nasty up front, having some guys that become 
alphas in that room on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. But I think defense in Chicago sets the tone, and it's always been that way. And until further notice, I think it should stay that way because I, I, I do like uh, a team that makes you fear going in there next week because you're going to come out of there. You might win, but you're going to feel it. Yeah, I like what you said about that, Jeff. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, joining us at the NFL Scouting Combine. All right, we don't know when the Texans will visit Chicago, but they will visit. And give us a quick snapshot of the defense, what the needs are going into 2022. Well, they're switching up from 3-4 to a 4-3. It was the only time in franchise history they ever had a 3-4 defense. So uh, that, that was a big change. And so those guys, are they big enough? Are they fast enough? Uh, because speed will be also accentuated. So those are the type of guys they're going to be looking for. Uh, so you would think a guy like Khalil Mack fits in any kind of system and will adapt and Robert Quinn uh, the same way, assuming he's still in their plans. He had a great year last year. But who's the three technique? And this, and John, you know, studies this yep. as, as well as anybody. Lovey, that's, he'll tell you that's the engine of his defense is the three technique. And the guy that we had early in those days was Tommy Harris. Quick off the ball, hard to stop one-on-one, -on -one, slippery. Gets to the quarterback, collapse the pocket, you know, keeps stays in his gap and gets the job done. And so Erlacher and Briggs and those guys could have a field day tackling your running back. So that that's the big question for me. And then we need more linebackers because Roquan Smith's there, but you know you need three now. So where's yeah. he going to play? Is he going to be weak side? Or is he going to be inside? Cornerback uh, because Jalen Johnson is uh, an outstanding talent on one side, but there are some questions on the other side and at the nickel slot. So. There's a lot there, and I've always maintained, and I've probably so, said this to you guys in the past, you need a, you need a, a badass safety. And uh, Eddie Jackson has been a ball hawk in his past. That has slipped. Will he come back and be a ball hawk in this particular system? That will be important, but I always feel a playoff contending team needs a really, really good safety. And a playoff contending team, as you know, Jeff, is going to need some quality play from the quarterback. What did you see from Justin Field last year in his rookie year? And what do you think he can become into the future? Sky's the limit, and that's everybody's reaction to him. Sky's the limit. They see the talent. Even the guys here from Ohio State that he played with for a couple of years in 19 and 20 speak about him the same way. There is a lot to love. He's got a rocket for an arm. The mobility is unmistakable. The speed uh, can climb the pocket and deliver if he's got a nice foundation and the ball just pops off his hand. So, but, you know, Got to get out of the mistakes that young quarterbacks often do. Hanging on to the ball. Took a lot of sacks last year. Uh, offense really staggered at times because of protection and just not enough big plays to keep moving the chains and certainly had a lot of trouble scoring points the last several years. So I do see a second year with his clear runway to the starting job will make a difference. That wasn't the case in his rookie year. But he had flash plays throughout. You can go through the tapes, and they're wild plays. Yeah. A wow against San Francisco. Great throws down the middle of the field. I mean, he's got it all, and he's really accurate down the field uh, in his past. I think he shows evidence of doing that in the NFL. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, joining us on Radio Road, the NFL Scouting Combine. All right, Lovey Smith. You were only with him for nine years. So <laughs> tell me about the relationship a little uh, bit, how the history was with the Bears. We know what the record was, but give us a little flavor of you love. You know, he's my friend. Okay. You know, he, he's family, honestly. And he treated me like that. He welcomed me into his family. And uh, I'll never forget it. He really taught me a lot about the game. 
Uh, I hosted his coach's show, obviously, every week, and we'd spend a lot of time together just talking football, talking about life. I could give you many stories, personal stories, that I'm not going to get into here, but he helped me a lot. He really did. He's just a very nice man, a thoughtful man, and he just loves football. He loves, he loves defense, and he's passionate about what he wants out of his team. And I always made, you know, not made fun of him, but I always say, hey, you know, you're always talking about gap control, and Erlacher's this unbelievably unique talent, and Lance Briggs can get behind the line of scrimmage, get small, but, you know, you want him to stay in his gap. But it doesn't make sense when the ball's going this way, but you want... And he would take the time to explain what bad things happen when you don't stay in your gap. And so I, I just have a lot of respect for him. You know, first year, first snap of practice, Brian Erlacher in 04 pops his hamstring. So, you know, that's your centerpiece, and he goes down. And so it was a, it was a, a learning experience first year, but 05, we're in the playoffs. And then we get beat by Carolina by Steve Smith, another learning experience. 06. That team knew and believed it was going to the Super Bowl. Maybe no one else thought that, but they did believe it, and they go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, it was a sloppy track, and there's a lot of theories on what maybe would have made a difference in that game, running the ball more, whatever, and lose to the great Peyton Manning. And then it's just about still trying to find that quarterback. So we go through right. the Cutler years, made it to the NFC Championship. That, that, that could have been a Super Bowl team. People do forget that could have been a Super Bowl yep. team. So... I just, players loved them. You know, the guys like Charles Tillman and every player on that defense was a name. And they would all go to great lengths to carry the baton for Lovey Smith. He's a great man. In the division, Jeff, for a long time, it was Aaron Rodgers and the Lions were trying to figure it out at quarterback. You had the Vikings and they had different guys, but they had a great squad. Then they threw in Kirk Cousins. And now there's questions about Kirk. How do you look at the NFC North this year? Because it feels like the only quarterback situation that's settled well, is in Chicago, seemingly at this point. Yeah, until for I have a hard time believing it won't be Aaron Rodgers. They took me down that uh, took me down the aisle and left me at the altar last year. The same thing. So I, th I find it funny when you say, "Well, it's all, it used to be green." No, it's right. still, still Green Bay. And you know what? If he goes. It's still going to be Green Bay yeah. because you got to find a way to beat the champ, and yeah. they've been the champ, and they've been the team that has been our thorn with 30 years of great quarterback play, and, boy, they can irritate you. I mean, those great quarterbacks that can just rip your heart out, and that's what both Favre and Rodgers did. So, you know, if he leaves, many people say division's up for grabs, and, and it may be, but all those teams you just mentioned have holes yeah. of some sort. And the Bears have, you know, the brightest young quarterback in the division, and a lot, lot of hope and a lot of, but you know, it's got to, it's got to materialize, and it's not going to happen overnight. So, uh, we're we're excited, but got to wait and see. There's Jeff Joniak, voice of the Chicago Bears, joining us on Radio Row here at the NFL Scouting Combine with the bench press going on in the background. Now, coming up, Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Let's talk about Indy, about the Colts, about the Combine, about the AFC South. We got a lot to get to. Let's do it next here on Texans Radio. Coming to you from the NFL Scouting Combine as we have another day of shows here for you. Texans All Access Friday night at 6 o'clock. Sports Radio 610, Texans app, Odyssey app. Texans 360 is going to be Saturday night at 11 o'clock right after the news on ABC 13 and many affiliates around the state of Texas. So you want to see that because we're doing that show from here as well. And we've got videos going up. 
by the minute here. We had the Lovey Smith free throw yesterday on the set of the Pat McAfee show. That was awesome. That went viral. And we have a lot of other stuff as well. Sit down with Nick Casario. I sit down with Lovey Smith. We've been in the bowl shooting, the Texans GM and coach watching the workouts. So you're going to see that soon enough. Working on a whole lot of stuff. So check out all the Texans social media platforms. And, of course, the Texans app for more information. And let's catch up now with the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Taylor. He's a good one. And he's in his hometown. He doesn't have to travel to get to this event. I'm 12 minutes away, right up Bluff. If you're familiar with Indianapolis, just take Bluff. It's a good uh, unused thoroughfare, if you will, into the city, right into Lucas Oil Stadium, convention center area. You know, they're talking about there's whispers, there's rumors that the Combine could leave town. I really hope it doesn't. More than I, whispers. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> true. That's that's the one way to put it. But, yeah, I feel like I have home field advantage here. Okay, so you, you can play – Indianapolis Convention and Vis- Visitors Bureau, along with just pro <laughs> Indianapolis person. Right. Sell me on keeping it here versus L.A. or Dallas or whatever. Because in Indianapolis, the combine takes over the town. It is the event. It The NFL is the biggest game in town. If it goes to Los Angeles, much like the Super Bowl, you don't even know it's there. You know, you yeah. could you – know, people on the streets here – they run into John Harris or Mark Vandermeer, and they say, hey, look, it's the voice of the Texans. Oh, yeah, right. right? Happens I, all the time. I don't know how much clout you have in Los Angeles, but that may not happen out there. I just <laughs> think just it's it's so centered, everything's so compact, and really the biggest thing is you have all the hospitals in downtown Indianapolis, and Lucas uh-huh. Oil Stadium was built in 2008 to house this event specifically with all the fiber optics and all the different things that I can't really speak you know, masterfully about because I don't understand them. But the infrastructure at Lucas Oil Stadium was built for this event to send you know, MRIs and x-rays to all the different hospitals, to all the different teams so they can get that instantaneously. There's no wait. There's no lag time, if you will. Um, I just think this city, the way it's built, the way it's structured, uh, the people here, um, all the hotels, the restaurants, the bars, and obviously the hospitals, you know, the combine was made for Indianapolis. It would just be really, really bad for the city to lose it because, quite honestly, it's been here since 1987. They depend on the economic stimulus that the combine Mm. infuses into the town. That's not going to sell the league, though, Matt. Johnny, and see if you agree with me on this, and I think Johnny will. But you hit on something, Matt. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts with us. It's a working event. To me, this is about getting the work done for the league. Being with these prospects, the convenience of downtown Indianapolis. Inefficiency. Yeah, I mean, L.A. and Dallas don't offer that. I would think if you're going to move it, you have to move it to another city that's kind of like this where everything's connected and weather is not a factor. And we've already got They don't care, though. And we've already got coaches that are not coming here. And it's as easy as it gets. You get to the airport, you get a ride to your hotel, and then you walk everywhere. Right. You don't even – as we were talking about earlier, you're in your coat. You can park everything in your room. Skywalks. And skywalks yeah. everywhere. And it's just – it's an event city. This is where you want to be because you don't have to worry about parking. I mean, that's just such the hassle. You think right. about the hassle of just even going to, to an event anywhere. And it's like, if I don't have to worry about parking mm-hmm. and I don't have to worry about the weather, right? I'm good. Yeah. Like, it's easy no headaches. at that point. No so headaches. You do that in any other city. I mean, L.A., the weather, okay, I get that. But 
You're going to now tell the coaches, oh, yeah, well, look, uh, you're going to go to the convention center. It's 25 minutes that way. Eh, if the traffic's not bad. Do it, I really need to be there? Do right. I need to go there? Exactly. Yeah, right? Exactly. Right. And, I mean, we've already got a few coaches that are not coming here, which I think that's their call, but I think it's a mistake. But there, there are, it's already happening. It's going to happen even more so uh, in other cities, and I well, think listen, that's going to be difficult. If you, if you were to pull the general managers, the football guys, the personnel people, if you were to mm-hmm. pull them, I don't know. Maybe this is a bold statement, but I would say 100% of them would say, don't move this thing. It's not broke. Don't fix it. Mm -hmm. But obviously those are the people that are not deciding. It's the the marketing people. It's – they're going to do with the combine what they're doing with the draft. They're going to move it around. They're going to make it a spectacle. It's a tentpole event on the NFL schedule. I get it, but no longer is – no longer is the combine just for the personnel people. It's for the fans. It's for the media. So, therefore, they will try to maximize it. I think the big distinction is the draft is just about moving the podium somewhere mm-hmm. and having the athletes there because the people who are there representing the teams right. at the draft site. They don't show up. No, well, they're guys who are just helping, mm-hmm. right? Guys and gals just helping. The GMs and the coaches are back in the war rooms in their stadiums getting the work done. That's where the real draft occurs, at the stadiums, not at the podium. But the podium is cool. It's a presentation. The combine, you you have to have certain things set up in a certain way in order to get it done in an efficient manner. No doubt. Matt, I'm going to ask you maybe the most difficult question, yet it's one that will make you smile. Why is Jonathan Taylor so good? Oh, jeez, you just lobbed that one Holy in there. Holy moly. Oh, my gosh. That's a, but that's a hard question to answer, though, sometimes. Like, why is he so good? It's a fun one to answer yeah, for well, you. Yeah, I mean, gee. Oh, no, we'll get to the hard How long's your we're show? Just, we're, we're buttering you up <laughs> oh, because there's, one, there's another question coming that's not going to be as nice. Yeah, well, I'll sit here and talk about Jonathan Taylor for an hour and a half. He's going to filibuster. <laughs> I mean, listen, this is not hyperbole because I haven't been doing this as long as you guys, but I've been doing it long enough, right? I've been covering the NFL, been covering the Colts for about a decade. I don't mean this as hyperbole. Jonathan Taylor is the most impressive player I've ever covered. Wow. Yeah. He is. Now, wow. and, and I mean that, like, on so many levels. Obviously, what he does on the field speaks for itself. But if you just talk to him, the guy's 22 years old, and he blows me away. He is intellectual. He is thoughtful, intelligent. I mean, his answers are so – they're just – again, they're just incredibly thoughtful what he says. And sometimes I'll, I'll stop down doing the interview, and I'll think back to what he said, and I'm like, holy crap, did he just say that? Like, what, what 22-year-old talks like that and yeah. thinks like that and is able to express himself the way that he does? And then obviously on the field he's the perfect blend of speed – power, vision, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Me, we were talking earlier, John. He's able to make yards when none are there to be made. He can turn a four-yard sweep into a 60-yard gain. I mean, he had the longest rush this season. He had the third longest catch. Uh, I mean, he broke a franchise record for rushing yards in a single season, rushing touchdowns in a single season. He tied the record with – Lenny Moore, you know, of the, of the old Baltimore Colt days of total touchdowns in a single season. The guy is – he's the best player the Colts have had on offense when you just factor in the total package since I've been doing this. And, again, what he does off the field and the person that he is and the character that he has I think makes him the total package in terms of just representing the franchise in a first-class manner. So let's get to the second question. Here we go. <laughs> 
Why? I don't know. I don't know is the answer. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do. Why did it not work with Carson this year? Well, it now I take it. I mean, he was twenty-seven and seven, twenty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. But a lot was expected of him, especially with Jonathan having the season that he did, with the defense that was there. Right. Why did it not work? Well, it started off very rocky, right? I mean, the second day of training camp, he goes out with a abnormal foot injury. Yeah. And to make even matters even more weird, uh, Quentin Nelson the next day has the same injury, which is very that unique. Was it was so yeah. bizarre. Um, but at any rate, he misses all of training camp. He misses all of uh, the offseason – or excuse me, the, all of the preseason games – and the Colts were one of those teams last year in April and May that didn't have the traditional offseason workout program. You know, the backdrop of COVID was still going on. Yep. So, you know, they didn't have that six-week program like they're used to. They did the two-week kind of condensed, uh, you know, we'll do, you know, an hour on the field, and then most of it's going to be mental. So I, I think that was a big loss for the Colts, quite frankly. And I, they talked very candidly at the end of the season about that, hey, this year, as in the upcoming offseason workout program, we're going to have a OTA period. We're going to have minicamp. Because when you have a first-year quarterback, maybe not a first-year quarterback, but a quarterback in a new system, in a new yep, scheme, right. I thought it was a missed opportunity for the Colts not to have the full traditional workout program. But, you know, the players used, uh, again, the backdrop of COVID as leverage, and that was that. But at any rate – because he missed so much time in the spring and so much time in the month of August. It's almost like the first month of the season in September and early October for Carson Wentz in the offense was like training camp 2.0 because you just missed a ton of time on task. He didn't have synergy and cohesion with the wide receivers. He was learning a new playbook to a certain degree with Frank Reich and some of the nuances there that had changed since their times uh, together in Philadelphia. Um, so that was part of it. Started off very rocky, but then after that part, the Colts really found their rhythm, and they obviously relied more on Jonathan Taylor. You know, from week four or five on, Taylor's usage, his carries, uh, all those numbers were way up, and the Colts went on a roll. Right? They started, you know, one in three. Then they won 8 of 10, and everybody's talking, oh, the Colts are going to be a team nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They're peaking at the right time. and But the last eight games, it's almost as if the Colts overcorrected and got too reliant on Jonathan Taylor. They weren't throwing the ball outside the numbers. The completion percentage was down. The yards per attempt numbers were down. And they just didn't have enough firepower on offense in the passing game between the quarterback and the wide receivers. I told John earlier, Michael Pittman Jr. went over 1,000 yards this season. Great, fantastic season. Guy in year number two, he's taking the next step. That's what you want to see. But no other Colts pass catcher, if you will, when you factor in wide receiver, running back, or tight end, Nobody else in that group went over 400 yards receiving. The Colts were the only team in the league to not have two receivers over 400 yards. So, again, for the second time in three years, if you go back to 2019 with Jacoby Brissett and then in 2021 with Carson Wentz, the running game was really good, elite. But the passing game just never complimented. And, and you know, football 101 should be if the, the, the better you run the ball, the easier it should be to pass it with play action. And it just never happened. You know, the Colts didn't throw the ball outside the numbers. And the last eight games of the season, Carson Wentz went over 200 yards passing just twice. And things really kind of peaked there on Christmas night 
in Arizona. Huge win for the Colts. They were ravaged with COVID. ton of guys down. The depth was tested. They got a big-time win against the Cardinals on Christmas night. Carson Wentz made a huge throw in the fourth quarter. And then that was week whatever it was, 16. And then week 17 and 18, they played the Raiders at home and the Jaguars on the road to close out the season. Uh. At that point, analytically, the Colts had a 98% chance of uh. making the playoffs. And they dropped both of those games, and they got ran out of the gym, if you will, in week 18 in Jacksonville against a team that was playing for absolutely nothing. And I don't think there's any way around it. I, I don't think you can sugarcoat that being the worst regular season loss in Colts franchise history considering who it was against and what was on the line had they won the game. Gosh, that's amazing. And then watching it play out at Hard Knocks, and look, we're oh. watching. You know, we watch Hard Knocks, and, and you know, we've been on Hard Knocks in 2015. I don't know what it was like there, but just watching, like, you can hear about it. You obviously, Matt, were there. You could sense it, all that kind of stuff. But we had a chance to see it through the lens of NFL Films and HBO through Hard Knocks, and it was, it was, gut. It was a gut punch. I mean, the Colts were. I mean, favored. I didn't watch y'all to win. Don't get me wrong. I mean, right. we, we we hate y'all, and y'all hate us. But just watching it was like, oh my god, this is awful. Like, how did this happen? Yeah. I mean, the Colts were, again, not to get too, you know, historical on you, but for those that track these kinds of things, the Colts were a 15-and-a-half-point favorite in Week 18 against Jacksonville on the road. That was the highest point spread for the Colts to be favored by in a road game since they moved to Indianapolis. Now, I don't really? know who I don't know who figures that out and digs those things up. I got to look at what the line was on Christmas Eve <laughs> 2006 when the Texans beat uh, the Colts yeah. for the first time ever there with you Chris go. Brown's field goal but, because I know the Texans were heavy underdogs in that game because I was wondering might that have been the worst loss in the history of the Colts? But no, because no, the Colts considering actually all that was on yes, the line in that game. Yeah, but they, the, the fact that you know they got off to a bad start and just never Showed up. And, again, it's just like Jacksonville, uh, you know, they, they lost the toss, so they received, and they went right down the field. They scored a touchdown, and they just kind of set the tone for the day. Whereas if I think if the Colts get the ball first, they go down the, the field and they score a touchdown, that kind of sets the tone the other yeah, way. The like, different. you know, we're going to make the playoffs and we're going to get into a little bit of a groove and momentum heading mm -hmm. into the postseason. It just it was an uphill climb the entire afternoon. All right, so what would you do if you're the Titans? Right now, they have the top seed in the AFC and they play the Bengals in the playoffs. And we all saw what happened. Tannehill turns the ball over. It's just not a good day for them after locking up the number one seed. What do you think of their situation? You know, maybe this is too over over simplistic, but nothing. The formula okay. works. The formula works, in my opinion. I, I think Ryan Tannehill had a bad mm -hmm. afternoon mm -hmm. and Derrick Henry getting hurt. They kind of weathered the storm, and I was really impressed with their ability to do that throughout the course of the season. So I think they know who they are, and they play to that, and they draft to that, and they have a culture, and they have an identity, and it obviously works. They were the top seed in the conference, and I just think they, they didn't play well or good enough that day. And, you know, maybe you can argue that they need some more help on defense, but, you know, the devil's advocate of that is, I mean, the hell, they had nine sacks in the game and still lost. Yeah, I know. So I don't know what more else you, you want, you know, from, you know, a roster construction standpoint or a, a team-building viewpoint. So I have a lot more respect and 
admiration for Ryan Tannehill than most people do, I think, because I think the guy's just a winner. He's a guy that, that people galvanize around, and he's just a good guy, and I think he's an underrated quarterback. So in my opinion, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I just think you need to play better and have more of a sense of urgency once the playoffs start, to be honest with you. There's Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Always a pleasure to catch up with him. And that's because I don't catch up with him after Colts games. It's always before. It's the hype buildup into those contests. This is the nemesis of the Texans. Houston is 9-31 and all-time against Indy. Stop me. All right, I'm not going to talk about that right now. I'm in a good mood. We're at the Combine. And speaking of good moods, let's revisit at the end of the show here the radio moment that is sweeping the nation. All right, that's a bit of an oversell. Maybe a lot of an oversell. But... Lovey Smith yesterday, man, he had a day. Pat McAfee Studio hits the free throw. The Madden people, I want to get into this more, and I'm going to investigate tomorrow, but the Madden people actually scanned his beard for the game because they have Lovey Smith scans, but they wanted to get the beard right. So that happened. And also, when he visited with us, we talked about music. And not that that was a revelation that he likes good music, but he likes watching TikTok. Lovey Smith, at 63 years old, did not strike us as a TikTok guy. Yet, he is. What you can get is you can get old concerts, clips. Right, right. There's nothing like it. It's one thing, listening to the old music, but yeah. seeing them perform yeah. it pretty special yeah and some of the footage you, you've never seen before never where'd you get that, this that's what where did you get that that's exactly what i'm going through a lot of my spare time this one what's I'm the doing. documentary yes summer of soul you seen it i've seen the summer of soul yeah. you uh, gotta see it mark the, i know uh, i've seen it it's sly and the family stone that that performance that they did at yeah. the summer of soul as you can see now I mean, you get me in music now we can talk the rest of right. the right and they were yeah. at woodstock too they're, they're in the Wood movie <laughs> they're they're at woodstock too i also have the whole document what three hours of woodstock I can't tell you how many times i've seen woodstock mm. that that documentary also yeah richie havens excellent absolutely <laughs> that was from last night's show our visit with lovey smith and i think i know what our off-season topic is going to be maybe even our during season topic from time to time music i mean i could talk about that era all day long all right great to visit with lovey that was just a little snapshot from our visit yesterday we had matt taylor on the show voice of the colts jeff joniak voice of the bears we had john mcclain to start the program we did a lot today and we'll do a lot more tomorrow mike keith voice of the titans will be with us some other guests as well that we have lined up but i'm not going to let you know just yet until everything is 100 percent confirmed and johnny's been watching workouts in the bowl you're going to want to hear what he says about what he saw here in Indy. That's the show. Thank you, Chris, for producing. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.